Thank you for checking out the Faith City Church Podcast. We believe that you'll be blessed by today's message. I have something to share with you that I, I really feel like is on my heart. And, and, you know, we always try to share something that's on your heart. But what I mean by that is I, I feel like you're here for a reason. And I feel like what the Lord wants me to say to you, uh, he is saying it to your specific life. Amen. Amen. Do you receive it today? Amen. Just say, I receive. I receive. All right. All right. Let's turn over to uh, Galatians chapter 2, verse 6, as we begin here. And I want to read here, um, and this is Paul speaking, and he's talking about the ministry that him and Peter have. Now, Paul was the minister to the what we call the uncircumcised or the non-Jews. Now, most of us here would be non-Jews. Now, if you are Jewish, um, Peter was here for you at that time. Peter was the one who was sent to minister, or or you could say was called to minister for to the Jews, the people who were God's chosen ones. Or at that time, they followed all the traditions and and they followed the law, and they and circumcision was one of these things. Now we won't get into what circumcision is, but you can look it up later and uh, you can find out. Um, but Galatians chapter two verse six, he says. But from those who seem to be something, whatever they were, it makes no difference to me. God shows personal favoritism to no man. How many of you are happy for that? I said God shows no favoritism toward no man. What does that mean? Well, that means race, no favoritism, right? That means man or woman, no favoritism. Now, (laughs) some people think that uh, have misinterpreted some of the scripture about the man and woman thing, and we're not going to get into that. But here, he's making it clear that there is no favoritism. In other words, in other words, God doesn't play favorites. He's not into the game of of someone above someone else. What he's really into the game of is, do you trust him? That's really it. God is a God of faith. I said he's a God of faith. So you say, well, man, how come, you know, this person got this and this person didn't? Well, we don't know all the answers. But one thing that I do know is is if you trust God, he can put you over the top. Right? I said he can put you over the top. So, So going on, he says, God shows personal favoritism to no man. For those who seem to be something added nothing to me. In verse 7, but on the contrary, when they saw that the gospel for the uncircumcised had been committed to me, as the gospel for the circumcised, like we said, was to Peter... And then in verse 8, it says something uh, that I want to I focus on here. He says, For he who worked effectively in Peter for the apostleship in the circumcised also worked effectively in me to the Gentiles. And we're going to go back to this scripture here in a moment. But what I want to talk about today is the power of grace. Now, we've, we, we've, you've, you've heard the word grace around here, and, and, and we talk about it a lot. And the reason that we talk about it a lot is because the, the new covenant the more that you begin to study the word, you begin to see that after the cross, the new covenant is what we call the covenant of grace. Now, the word grace, I want to I talk about this because there's, there's, there's dual meaning to the word grace. Now, there's a lot of uh, dual meaning words like the word train, you can figure that out, or the word mean. Or, you know, there's words that have more than one meaning. And the meaning that you've been told around here, if you've come around here, if you haven't, I'm going to share it with you. The word grace defines most, mostly unmerited favor. Or in other words, undeserved goodness. That's the grace of God. 
Isn't that good? Now, what does that mean? That means that, that I get goodness from God even though I don't deserve it, right? Now, here's the cool thing uh, or, or, or the reason that this applies so much and the reason that it's so important is because for the longest time, uh, you know, a lot of people in the church, a lot of people, they thought that they had to deserve God's goodness. Now, there are things that we have to do, right? And now grace can be misunderstood, Grace can be misunderstood in the fact that, well, you know, I guess I can do whatever I want then because God's good. No, you you can in one sense, right? God gave you a free will so you can do whatever you want. Let's get that out of the way. But here's the thing. There's there's consequences. There's consequences, right? There's consequences. But here's the thing is, is, is the one consequence you will never have is God will not stop loving you. It says in the scripture that, that, uh, that nothing can separate you from the love of God. Now, when we begin to understand grace, grace is not a license to do wrong. Grace is actually, and this is what we're going to talk about today, grace is the power that God gives you to, to live right so that you can avoid those circumstances in your life that are bad, right? Because it's right believing that produces right living. I said it's right believing that produces right living. Because God is bigger than your ability to do it on your own, right? So, so words with more than one meaning. So grace has more than one meaning. It is not just the unmerited favor of God or the kindness from God, even when we don't deserve it, or God's unconditional love. Aren't you glad God's love is unconditional? And, and, but here it is in Webster's uh, dictionary, because I want to point out the second part of this definition. But in Webster's it says, the unmerited love and favor of God, which we said toward human beings, divine influence, acting in a person to make the person pure, morally strong, the condition of a person brought to God's favor through the influence. Now, here's the part that I want to look at, this this last part here. It says, a special virtue or gift or help given to a person by God. In other words, it's not just God's kindness to to you, even though uh, you don't deserve it, but it's also an ability that God puts on the inside of you, puts in your life when you need it. It's, 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 it's an ability. Now, how many of you know we, we always need God? Now, this is really important. What I just said there, that seems real simple. Everybody's like, well, yeah. But think about that for a second because you don't always think you need God. Right? Sometimes we have those times in our life where everything's going good, everything's peachy, and we're like, I, I'm good right now. Right? Kind of God's kind of like on the back burner right now. Kind of like, yeah, you know, but I don't really need him. I got this, right? Right? You got, you got it? You ever been there? I've got it. But you see, that's a dangerous place to be in. Not that everything's going good, but that you are, you are thinking that you don't need him. All right? So we're going to talk about this. Um, but another, the second definition in Webster's, if you look it up in, the, in the, another part, it says, an excellence or a power granted by God. In excellence or power granted by God. Now let's go back to Galatians chapter 2 and verse 8, the last part of that. 
It says, for he who worked effectively in Peter. Now stop right there. Effectively in Peter. Now this, this portion right here where he says worked effectively, uh, Paul and Peter, obviously, they, they had a, what he's talking about here is, is that God's power was evident. It was working in them. But this part right here comes from the Greek word, and I'm not trying to be deep with you here. What am I in class right now? This will be as deep as we get. But it's from the Greek word energeo which can be translated a word in the English that sounds a lot like it called energy or power. So here's what Paul's saying. He's saying that, that God called us, but he, he gave us this grace or this energy to do what we couldn't do in our own ability. I like to call it the energy of grace. The energy of grace. So this is the second application of grace or the second meaning of grace. It's not just God's a, a favor and love towards you, even though you don't deserve it. But it's a, it's a power or an energy that you can live in that will cause you to walk uh, outside of your natural abilities. Can I say this to you? There are times in your life there's challenges that you're going to face. There's challenges maybe that you're facing right now that you're not supposed to face that on your own. You're not supposed to face it on your own. It is not a challenge that should be handled in the natural. Man, for some people that's scary. Well, man, I don't know what I would do then. That's God. I said, that's God. That's the God factor. God is not put you on this earth to live and to move without his power. He hasn't called you to live and to think up and to try to come up with all the ways that you can get better and overcome. Go ahead and do those things. Go ahead and get better. Go ahead and do this. But the question is, what are you trusting in? And God's saying, if you'll trust in me, what you can't do in the natural, my grace or the energy of grace will come upon your life to do that, which you can't do. Now, that's good news, right? All right. So this is the power. So I want to go to 2 Corinthians in chapter 11 because this is Paul explaining in his life how this works. How does this grace thing work? How, how does this, how, you know, how is it that God flows when, when we can't do it on our own? And in 2 Corinthians chapter, just to give you a little insight into what he's talking about here, Paul is talking about the difference of boasting in our own ability and boasting in God's ability. So Paul begins to talk about some things that he's been through, okay? But I, I want us to see the bigger picture here. And, and let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter 11 in verse 25. He says, three times I was beaten with rods. So these are the things that Paul's been through. Many of us can't relate to this. You know, hopefully you can't, but... <laughs> If you can, then you get the whole picture. But in, in verse 25, he says, Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was pelted with stones. Three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a night 
and a day in the open sea. I have been constantly on the move. I've been in danger from rivers, in danger from bandits, in danger from my fellow Jews, in danger from Gentiles, in danger in the city, in the country, in the sea, and in the in false believers. I have labored and toiled and have often gone without sleep. I have known hunger and thirst and have often gone without food. I've been cold and naked. Besides everything else, I face daily the pressure of my concern for all the churches. Who is weak and I do not feel weak? Who is led into sin and I do not inwardly burn? Now here's, here's what Paul is saying here now because we can, we can think that if we read this on the surface and we don't finish and we're going to finish here in the next chapter, we can think that Paul's just complaining and he's not. Here's what Paul's saying. He's saying, listen, these other ministers who are trying to sway you, they're, they're boasting about their ability and all this stuff. And he's saying, listen, let me tell you about my struggles, about my disadvantages, about my inabilities. Because when I tell you about these, I'm going to be able to testify that everything that I've been through, I trusted in the energy of grace. I trusted in God's grace in my struggle, and he brought me over. So what I'm actually saying is, is they can boast all they want to about how great they are, but I'm going to boast about how great my God is. Are you with me? So let's finish here because this, this will explain it. In, in 2 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 9, he says this. He says, but he said unto me, this is God. God's speaking to Paul. In the midst of his disadvantages, he's telling us, this is how your attitude should be. This is how your posture should be in the midst of a disadvantage. He said, my grace is sufficient for you in verse 9. For my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, in verse 10, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses and insults and hardships and persecutions and difficulties. For when I am weak, then am I strong. Now, here's the thing is Paul, Paul makes this real general now is he's not just talking and, and relating it to stuff that he's gone through. Now we can relate to this because he's saying, listen, it's not just persecution or shipwreck that I faced, but it's, it's weaknesses, it's insults, it's hardships, it's persecutions, it's difficulties. Now, um, how many of you have ever been through a difficulty? How many of you ever had a disadvantage? That's really what Paul is saying here in, in, in all of it. He's really saying, when you have a disadvantage in life. Now, a disadvantage doesn't necessarily mean that you're going through like this mountain of thing. It could mean that you have a, a weakness or the word weakness could mean like uh, you have strengths and then you have this certain area of your life that maybe in your job or your career or in school studies, you're just not good at that. In other words, like some people grow up, they're like, I was never good at math, right? So he kind of makes it more general here where yes, it's difficulties. Yes, it's hardships. But I'm talking about when I have a disadvantage in my life, when I know that on my own, I'm just not that strong in this area or I'm just not that strong maybe at this time in my life. He's saying, in that moment, I am strong. Now, let's, let's think about what Paul is saying here, because he actually says, in that moment, I actually rejoice. 
Now, I don't think Paul's saying that, that like, when I'm strong, I'm like, okay, God, make me weak, make me disadvantaged so that I can have a party. I don't think that's what Paul's saying here. I think what Paul is saying here is that when, I, when, when a disadvantage comes, because they're going to come in life, the scripture says that we're going to go through things, persecution, trials. He says, when that happens, I choose in that moment to see God and focus my eyes on him and his grace in the midst of my weakness. And when I do that, I'm actually stronger than when I'm strong per se, because when I'm strong, I have a tendency to depend on my own strength. I'll say that again. I said, when you're strong, you have a tendency to depend on your own strength. But when you're weak and disadvantaged, you have the opportunity. Now, we don't always do it, but you have the opportunity in that moment to depend totally on God and to say, God, I can't do this on my own. And that's when God says, that's what I needed. I needed you to say that you can't do it on your own. I needed you to fall on your back because in that moment, that's when my grace comes in. And that's when grace and and the energy that I provide is made evident in your life. Now, you didn't have to fall on your back because when you're strong, you could have also just looked at me and said, God, even though I'm strong, I totally depend on you. And when I'm weak and when I'm disadvantaged, I totally depend on you. Are you with me? So it's not saying that when you're strong, necessarily you're weak. It's just saying that when you're strong, you have a tendency to have weakness in your life when you think that you're strong because all of your trust is in you. So what's Paul trying to say? He's trying to say simply. Now, this is super simple. You you can write this down. Trust God. And especially in your weakness. Because let me tell you something. Like I said a little earlier, and I was was talking to a couple this week, and they've gone through some really difficult things. And I began to pray for them, and and I felt in my heart to say this. And... I say this to you today, but I said, you know, there's certain things that you can't get through in the natural. You can't. Now, you'll get through it. Now, when I say through it, there's many things that we get through and we look back and we go, man, I got through it. But, you know, there's a lot of collateral damage afterwards. And we think, man, I went through that, you know. But you really didn't. You just, you made it to the other side, but now you're still living that the rest of your life. Are you with me? But you see, God wants you to go through things, and when you get done, you look back and go, I actually got through that. Like, God pulled me through that, and and now I'm better off than I was when I started. That didn't mean it wasn't difficult. That didn't mean that I didn't face a challenge. But because I depended on him, because I leaned on him, His grace came in, and his grace, what what grace is, is it's his ability to do what you can't do. Right? Now, as humans, that's what we are. We are people who can't do everything in our own ability. Right? So are you saying I shouldn't grow? Are you saying I shouldn't, you know, grow in my own ability? No, 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 no. Keep growing in your own ability. Do whatever you do. It's It's a matter of trust. Are you trusting in your ability or are you trusting in his ability? 
So keep growing, keep doing whatever that you need to do. But uh, weakness, you know, it's really a feebleness of mind or body. This could be an addiction, a temptation, a bodily ailment, an area, like we said, an area that you're just not good at. Um, you know, uh, something that you, you don't have knowledge or experience in or qualification. So in other words, you know, you could be in a situation where you don't have the expertise to go to the next level or to maybe do your function and your job and you need his favor, right? You need his grace. I remember my wife, you know, a couple of years ago, she was in a situation where she was in a job and she somehow found herself in this position and we're talking about God's ability when, when, when we don't have the qualifications or the ability and his favor will come upon you. Do you believe that? That's grace. That's grace. That's another form of grace. But, you know, she was in this position and, and, and she found herself there without the qualification that the position required. In other words, there's a degree that she needed. She was already in the position and she didn't have the degree. That was favor, right? Have you ever been there? That's favor. Now, here's the thing. is She was in the position and this opportunity came about that was above her position and she said, man, I'd really like to do that. I feel in my heart that that's, that's a good fit for me right now. That would be great. And, you know, but she, she began to talk about it. She said, but I don't have the qualification, you know. If I got that, you know, uh, I would not only be uh, beyond where I'm at, but I'd be beyond that. And so we began to pray about it. And, I, and we just, we joined hands and I prayed with her and, and we prayed together. And we said, God, you're bigger than a degree. You're bigger than a worldly qualification. Your favor is bigger than that. So we just trusted God. We trusted God. And how many of you know that she went into the interview, you know, and, and, and you know, there's all kinds of people that could look at her and say, man, I, I deserve that because I have this qualification. How many of you know favor is not fair? Favor is not fair. God don't play favorites. Now, anybody can trust him and, and get his favor. So, you know, it, it works for people who do have the qualification as well. But we trusted God, and God moved her beyond that position and into the next position without that degree. Amen? Amen? That's the favor of God. That's the favor of God that can work in your life. And that's how God works is he says, you have a weakness. You have a disadvantage. You have a lack of qualification. You have an area that you, 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 can't, you can't cut it on your own. But that's what grace is for. Amen? That's what grace is for. And I'm a sports guy, so I think about, you know, Tim Tebow. I'm a, I'm a, I like Tim Tebow. You know, if you got something bad to say about him or know something, you know, that's fine. But, um, but anyways, I think he's a good guy. But anyways, he's, he's an athlete, and uh, he was coming up in the NFL, and he had a disadvantage. And the disadvantage was that he wanted to play quarterback, and he really couldn't throw very well. Now, that's a bad thing, because when you're a quarterback, you need to be able to throw. And Tim Tebow, if you know anything about him, he consistently talked about the goodness of God. And he consistently talked about, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And he got into the league, and, and no one wanted to give him a shot. No one wanted to give him a chance. But there was one coach that said, you know what? I see his character. I see his ability. But, but you know, Tim Tebow had this huge disadvantage. But, you know, you look at someone like him, and he came into the league, and he weighed heavy on grace. 
he weighed heavy on God's ability. And Tim Tebow did things that he should not have been able to do. He won, he won more games than he lost. He won a playoff game. He went out there, and in the midst of his inability, he found a way to trust God. And in the moment of his weakness, he saw success. Amen? See, that's how God works, is, is, is you see yourself in this inability, and God says, you're not, you're not looking at me. You're not looking at my ability, uh, a disadvantage. So grace replaces human strength with divine strength. You can write that down. It said grace replaces human strength with divine strength. In 2 Corinthians 15, Paul basically said, he said, I work harder than all of them, yet not I, but the grace of God. So does grace make you lazy? In other words, does grace just, does it just sit back and just, and just let God do it all? No, I think you have a misunderstanding. Grace is about trust. So it's not about lack of doing. It's more about, about where is your trust? In other words, Paul said, I labored more than all, but then he said, not me, but the grace of God through me. In other words, while he's working, he's trusting and saying, God, I rest in your ability. I rest in your grace to flow through me to get the job done. And then uh, uh, he said this to Timothy. He said, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. He said, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. In other words, don't be strong in your own ability but be strong in God's ability to do what you can't do. Grace, you can write this down, grace is attracted to your weakness. In other words, grace flows in your life when you admit that you need it. But when you think you don't need it, grace is not evident. Because you got it, right? Because you've got it all together. But grace comes for those who admit that they need it. So there's a difference, and we talked about favor and favoritism. There's a difference between favor and favoritism. So grace flows in, and it brings favor to your life in situations where you need it. But, you know, favoritism says, I've got to butter up to the right people. I've got to figure out how to maneuver my way in. But trusting in God says, God... I don't need any man to maneuver me. I just need you and you'll move on man or you'll move in the situation however it needs to be moved in. So there are certain battles, and we said this before, there are certain battles that we cannot fight in the natural. You can't do it. There's certain things that you're going through, maybe right now. Listen, God never intended for you to overcome that situation on your own. That's what he's for. He's for you. He's, he's on the inside of you. He's saying, listen, I want you to depend on me because you can't do it on your own, and I'm okay with that because that's why I'm God. I'm God to move in your life. Let's go over to Second Chronicles chapter 20, and this is a situation here where there was a man, a king, a king by the name of Jehoshaphat, who was ruling at that time. Now, if you're going to have kids, if you got kids, or, you know, thinking of baby names, I recommend this name, Jehoshaphat. I think it's coming back. And, you know, if you do a word study on this name, if you do a word study on this name, you'll find that the last three, uh, last four are P-H-A-T, 
which means cool. So I would recommend uh, the name Jehoshaphat. But anyways, Jehoshaphat, he was coming against, and and there was an army coming against him in in Jerusalem, the people of God in Judah, and they were coming against him, and they were outnumbered. They had no chance in this battle. And Jehoshaphat was crying out to God. He's saying, God, I I don't know what we're going to do here because the people that are coming against me are more than what we have. They're, they're, they outweigh us in, in people. They outweigh us in, in artillery, everything. So in verse 14, they stood before, before God, the whole people. And in verse 14, it says, And upon Jehaziel, the son of Zechariah, the son of Benaiah, the son of Jael, the son of Metaniah, a Levite of the sons of Asaph, upon him came the spirit of Jehovah in the midst of the congregation. And he said this. So in the midst of this, God has to speak. And how many of you know that sometimes in your life, God will use a man or a woman to speak into your life? And here's what he said. In verse 15, he said, Be attentive, all Judah, and you inhabitants of Jerusalem, and thou king, Jehoshaphat. Thus saith Jehovah unto you, Fear not, nor be dismayed by reason of this great multitude, for the battle is not yours but God's. I declare to you today that the situation that you're facing The battle is not yours, but it is the Lord's. But you have to get into position. And the position is a position of rest. The position is a position of trust that says, God, I'm going to do what I need to do in the natural. But as far as trying to control the situation, as far as trying to uh, muscle my way through it, I'm going to do whatever I need to do in a place of trust and in a place of rest. And I'm going to declare that this battle that I'm facing, this battle is the Lord's. And God came through in the midst of that battle. And they stood back and just worshiped the Lord. They stood back. And and you know, when you're in a place of trust, when you're in a place of rest, the only thing to do many times is just to sit back and say, Worship God and say, God, I thank you for everything that you're doing right now. I thank you for everything that you're going to do. I thank you that you've already done it. Because he finished the work. Jesus finished the work at the cross. But here's the thing is we have to position ourselves to receive what he's done for us. And the position that you're supposed to be in is a position of trust a position of rest, to say, God, you've got this. God, the battle is yours. The battle is the Lord's. You remember the story of of David and Goliath. And, and, you know, many times we pass over what what David's statements were because we just see David and we're like, wow, you know, David must have been this great guy. You know, but David, when he faced Goliath, if you remember the story, David was a teenager. 
And, you know, he'd done some cool things before that. He, you know, slayed a, a lion and a bear and, and this and that. But understand something, that David, when he talks about these things, he's not talking about, man, you know, I was able to, you know, muscle these things and, and knock them out and the, and the bear, you know, didn't have a chance against me. No, no, no. When he talked about these things, he said, by the Spirit of the Lord, I slew a bear and a lion. And you see, when he came up against Goliath, you know, you could say, well, man, you know, he didn't beat Goliath with some, some great power or anything like this. He beat Goliath because God's favor and grace and power was upon him and made it happen in such a, 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 an uncommon way. So here's what, what David said in, in 1 Samuel chapter 17. You probably remember this from the story, but he said, Uh, David said to the Philistines, you come against me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you in the, in the, in the name of the Lord almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defiled. Now, here's the thing. Think about this for a second. David, even though you'd say he had some ability, I'm not saying he didn't have any ability. I'm not saying you don't have any ability and I'm not saying that you don't grow in your ability, but David had some ability. He had this sling and stone, you could say, and he had this magical ability. But here's the thing about, about David is when he went against Goliath, he wasn't trusting in his own ability. Now he had some and he had seen some great things done, but here's the thing is when he came against Goliath, he knew in the natural, he had really no chance. I mean, think about it. Even the sling and the stone hitting him in the forehead. If, if Goliath just moved the shield over, it would have, it would have blocked it. But you see, God knew in that moment He knew that he could display his power and say, there's no way that you could say that David didn't need me. There's no way that you could say that he could beat this giant on his own because he couldn't. He said, watch what I'll do, though. I'll make sure that when he slings this stone at the right moment, at the right time, Goliath won't be paying attention. He won't put up his his shield. And at the right moment, at the right time, in the right exact position, I will place that stone to hit him in the head and he'll die. That was the energy, the power of grace upon David's life. That was him saying, I don't come at you in my own ability. I don't come at you with this great power of my own. I come at you with the spirit of the Lord upon me. The grace of God, the energy of grace, the power of grace. Now listen, in your own life, you deal with certain things and you need the power of grace. You need the power of God. And God is saying to you today, my power is available to you. What I need you to do is I need you to surrender your own ability and do whatever you need to do in that ability, but don't trust in your ability. But trust in my ability to flow through you because I have called you to to overcome mountains. I have called you to jump over those difficulties in your life and to flow over them. But here's the thing. I know that you can't do it on your own. So here's what I'm saying is receive my grace for you. The same way that Paul did. What did he do in his weakness? He said, God, I rejoice right now because not because I'm going through a difficulty, but the reason that I rejoice is because I've figured something out that when I am weak and I trust in you, there is a super abundance of grace that will pour out to my weakness. Because when I am weak and I trust in God, that's when I'm strong. Amen. 
So let me close with this, this scripture here in James chapter 4 and verse 6. We've probably heard this before. But in James chapter 4 and verse 6, he says this. He says, but he gives, and he's talking about God here. God gives more grace. That is why the scripture says God opposes the proud. Now, why does God oppose the proud? Now, when you say oppose the proud, it's, it's not that God's power is not available. His power is available or his grace and goodness is available to anyone. But the proud can't receive it. Why can't they receive it? Because pride says, I got this. And God's a God of free will. So he's like, if you got it, then, you know, I love you. But if you don't need me, you don't need me. And that's okay, right? That's not okay. But, you know, that's what God's saying is, is I'm a God of free will. But he says here, but shows favor or grace to the humble. But the humble are the ones who say, God, I'm willing to admit whether I'm in a place of strength in my life where I feel up to the task or when I feel weak or disadvantaged or in a struggle or in a mountain that I don't feel like I can overcome. He said, either way, I trust you. I put my trust in you. Because when you learn to trust him in your strength, it'll be easier to trust him in your weakness. So what are you saying through all this? I, I mean, what, what's the point? Well, the point is, is trust God. Trust God. Because we look at the circumstance and we look and we look and we look and we look and we try to figure it out and we try to figure it out and we try to figure it out. And God's whispering, but sometimes we can't hear him. And he's saying, you don't have to figure it out. I saw the end from the beginning and I already know how you overcome. So stop trying to figure it out. Do what you need to do in the natural. See, here's the thing is, does that mean I just sit back and do nothing? No, no, no. Do whatever you need to do, but do it in a place of rest and trust in his love for you. In seeing his grace to do what you can't do on your own. And that's the place where you can go through things and come to the other side and look back and say, I went through that, I overcame that, but not, not my ability, it was him through me. And really what you're saying is, God, God overcame. Right? It was his ability on my behalf. It was the energy of grace. I lived in the energy of grace. See, you can function in your job and your as a mother, as a father. You can function in your ability or you can function in his ability. See, he's in every part of our life. He's not just there when things are difficult. He's there in everyday life. In that in those moments where it's the mundane and you kind of just get get worn out in life and you're just kind of like you know, doing the routine of life and the, the laundry and the dishes and all this stuff. Listen, God's grace is right there. And he's saying, listen, don't do this in your ability. Rest and trust in me. And what you'll find out is that there's an energy of grace that you flow in where it's not actually you living, it's actually me living through you. 
That's what God wants to do is he actually wants to live through you. That's why Paul said, he said, it's not I that live, but it's Christ that lives in me. That's the energy of grace. your heads for a moment. Father, we thank you. God, we ask you for a greater understanding of how to let you flow in our lives, how to let you overcome when we can't. And even when we can, or we think we can, God, we trust you. And we thank you that grace flows when we admit and we take our hands off the wheel and we admit that we can't do it all on our own. Because as strong as we can be, in a moment something can come that can make us weak but God even when we're weak we're strong when we trust in you so God we thank you for that now Father I just pray for everyone here I thank you that maybe there's someone here that talking about this grace talking about this this help Maybe you'd say here today, you'd say, I don't, I don't have this help. I don't, I don't know anything about God. I don't know anything about what Jesus has done. If, if you're here today and, and you've never made Jesus Lord of your life, you've never accepted him or trusted in him, he wants to have a relationship with you just because he loves you. He wants to walk with you. Things are better when you let him walk with you. If you're here today and you say, I've never received Jesus as Lord, I want to pray with you. And no one's looking around. If you just want to slip up your hand here, I'll pray with you and we'll all pray together. You'd say, I've never received Jesus as Lord, but I want to receive him today. I want that goodness in my life, his love for me. Amen. If you're here today and you'd say, I'm going through something right now that is bigger than me. Would you all stand for a moment? And if you're here today and you would say, I'm going through something that's too difficult for me, I want us all to join hands with, and we don't know who that is, but I want you to join hands with the person next to you. We can draw strength from one another. We can receive this grace as we surrender our heart to say, God, I receive. I just want you to pray for the person next to you as I pray. Father, I thank you for every person in this place. I thank you, Lord, that there is a grace right now to do what they can't do on their own. God, I thank you for your strength. I thank you for your ability. And I thank you that all it takes is for us to surrender to you and to say, God, I trust you. I'm gonna do what I need to do in the natural, but God, I'm gonna trust you to do what I can't do. And just receive right now. Receive the grace of God. Receive his power. God, we receive from you. We receive your ability to do what we can't do on our own. In Jesus' name, amen. 
For more information about Faith City Church, please go to faithcity.tv. As always, we pray that you would grow in the knowledge and grace of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ.